Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, here on our first football Friday here on the morning after as we got through our first week of shows. And surprisingly, we haven't been taken off the air quite yet. But don't worry, it's only been only been five days. We got plenty more days. Yeah, give us time. We got plenty more times to screw this up, as you heard right there. Tubby is back in the building after uh, his uh, (laughs) usual Thursdays off. And of course, we are joined once again by by the little fatigued um, man, the myth, the legend, the big man, big hoss, like the Donald Trump of of the W of WFSE. I don't know if that has hold as much weight as it used to. But he has better hair than Trump. This is true. I don't know if I have as as much hair though. That's the problem. I don't know if you have hair at all. Yeah. To be honest with you, but Mike Fenner's back in the building as well too to recap Borough football for the first thirty minutes before we let him go back to sleep. Um, someone had to drag him out of bed this morning. Um, so we got to go three wide here in the beginning to touch on last night's Edinburgh 2015 football season opener as the Fighting Scots welcome the Pumas of St. Joseph's College of Indiana to Sox Harrison Stadium. And, uh, well, let's just say things didn't really go Burroughs' way as uh, the Pumas w- take the victory in this one 30-10 to over the Fighting Scots. Um, it was, you know, a close one for the first 30 minutes of play. Um, Edinburgh was right there starting the second half with possession. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, it was, only, it was only down 10-7 going into the locker room, but the second half just couldn't really do too much, only was able to put up a field goal from then on out, and St. Joseph's was that. That was when they really started uh, gelling and moving the ball as they wanted to, and, uh, you know, we kind of saw, saw a lot of positives, but we saw a lot of negatives and a lot of things that reminded us of Borough Football 2014. So Mr. Fenner, um, being the play-by-play man, finally getting back into the booth last night um, with Borough Football, what are some initial reactions, you know, from last night's uh, loss? I was impressed with the defense, personally. Uh, I think you take away two plays specifically, uh, the 53-yard touchdown run from Braxton Shelton, which was a terrific play on his part, uh, and a breakdown really in the entire defense there. And then the read option play where, uh, where Bertrand was able to keep it and make plays from the quarterback spot, shifting his way through the entire linebacker level and getting to the end zone. I think with the exception of those two plays, the defense played their tails off, and I think you could tell that. Uh, they were just gassed by the time the fourth quarter came because they were playing a lot of football, and that's something that's got to change because they, they cannot be losing uh, time of possession so significantly. Actually, time of possession, believe it or not, was won by Edinburgh last night, and I was, I'm was i surprised too because yeah. I just looked right now. Cause I, that is just, pretty shocking. Just watching the game, right, you would have thought that St. Joseph's controlled the ball tremendously, but, it was, I mean, it was a slight advantage, Edinburgh 31-27 to St. Joe's 28-33. I, I kind of wish I kept the halftime stats in paper and kind of saw what it was at halftime, time of possession, Definitely. because I'm sure Burrow had a larger lead in the, at half, and then that shows how much they took time of possession in the second half. Did St. Joseph's... Um, Tubby, as a, as, a, uh, as a viewer last night and, and listener, um, what did you kind of see from this team um, in the first half, uh, really, as that was when this game was close and at the lo- going in the locker room, it looked like this was anybody's ball game at that point in time. Right. I had a lot of hope going in the first half. Um, I caught the broadcast at first on ETV.com, and uh, so I was able to watch it through the stream there, and they looked... I mean, like Mike said, the defense, I thought they were doing well. They were flying to the ball. Uh, swarming, they were getting in there, they were getting penetration, they were stopping the run. And uh, St. Joe's kind of, because they came in as advertised as a run-heavy team. I mean, the, their running back had, what, like 1,800 yards, number one overall in the uh, the Great Lakes Valley Conference. Yeah, an all-league 
yeah, selection a couple and, times. Yeah, an all-league runner. And you know, they, they weren't getting much production out of the run, and then they just started torching us, you know, with the pass and, and the play option. So I think, you know, I think maybe the youth, like we were saying before, the youth about the our secondary really got exposed. But uh, on the bright side, the the main takeaway that I'm taking away from all of this is that we got this on film, and now they can go back in, rewatch it. I mean, it's a learning experience. It's a non-conference, a non-conference opponent. So I'm not freaking out about it as much. But you know, there the amount of work to be done has been shown. Absolutely. Um, I said the exact same sentiments during the broadcast last night and in the postgame. I said, you know, this is just, you know, step one. It's finally into the season. You're finally just being able to hit someone else that's not your teammate. And uh, that means a lot. And now that you can get um, something on tape, something you can go over um, in the meetings, on the practice field, that's just going to help this team um, get better. Uh, someone that's going to have a lot of tape now is Jake Sisson. Uh, last night, obviously, getting his first or his second start as a fighting Scott, but his first one really as the full-time starter under center for this squad. Uh, Didn't exactly go as planned uh, for the uh, true sophomore. Completed 26 of 42 passes for 215 yards. One touchdown. That was to the uh, tight end Kemka and then also had four INTs in this one. Fenner, are are you alarmed by the 42 attempts for Cincinnati? That's a lot. That's the one thing that actually stood out to me when I when I got done looking at this box score last night before heading down for postgame interviews. I thought that was way too much volume for a guy in just his second start. He's still a young quarterback, as we talked about. Second start, true sophomore, opening up the season now with his team. That's going to get you beat in most scenarios, in my opinion, when you're when you're throwing at such a high volume. You got to be able to run the football better. Yeah, that doesn't seem like Burrow football. I mean, I'm, I don't, I've never gotten that exact dictionary definition. On what Borough football um, is, but I just I just don't think that's what they need to do. I mean, obviously a lot of those went to Darren Massey and others um, in those short intermediate routes. Darren Massey finished with a uh, school tie for school record 13 receptions uh, last night. So I mean, obviously he was doing what he usually does, but uh, assistant obviously four ints, a couple coming at crucial times, and uh, really kind of negating some drives for the Fighting Scots. Um, but what now? That that's a lot of negativity. We started off there with Fenner. Give me give me some positives that you uh, that you're kind of taking away from this game, um, if any, other than the fact that they've got this game on tape and they can build off of it. But there's got to be maybe some players that stood out to you. I think when you talk about the offense, it was somebody we previewed uh, yesterday that was as good as advertised. Alex Caratelli. Uh, he didn't light it up in terms of statistics. Five catches, 56 yards, nice and steady. Uh, but you could see the way he was making plays. He almost had that one-handed catch uh, that would have really inflated those numbers as well, and I think he really stepped up. Uh, Clearly one of three options that was really consistent for this team all night long in the passing game and somebody that will be relied on. I think he got a lot of red zone looks as well. I mean, you saw Sisson throwing plenty of fades his direction, and I think you're going to see those being hauled in for touchdowns later on this year. Uh, you can already kind of see the impact that he should have with this team this season. Yeah, five catches, 56 yards for the Robert Morris transfer. Connor Hollenbeck as well um, caught five balls for 49 yards. I like what he can do. Um, I just like his size, six foot six. Um, obviously, that's going to be an advantage, uh, you know, every day of the week basically for him. Uh, but in, in, in the running game, you know, that is what you said kind of caused those 42 pass attempts. Is I think they kind of forgot about the run eventually they kind of just let it go which is something that Burrow did a lot of last year Mike Miller just said we're so inept in the running game what's the point of even trying it anymore you know why 
I said it on yesterday's show, Mike, that uh, you know that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And they ran Corey Bell for as much as they could, and uh, they only got 42 yards on 13 rushes, and that's obviously not something they wanted out of them. They just eclipsed 100 yards, which is something I said in the postgame after you left the booth, Fenner, was uh, when that last run from Evelard with the leap at the end just got them to the uh, – to the 100-yard mark last night, and, of course, Evelard coming in in some, in some late seconds there, getting 66 yards on six carries all in the final series of the game. I was asking for him to come out or come out onto the field earlier in the game. I don't know where he was, but maybe, you know, his, his uh, nice little bursts there in the final series will help his playing time in the future. But, I mean, if you're Burrow, you got to hope that you can fix this running game because you cannot go through another season with the lack of running game that you had last year. Right. Now, you guys that were there, was it, was it more of the, the running back not hitting the cutbacks? Was the offensive line uh, not able to manage and open up holes for him? I mean, what do, you, what do you see was the most glaring thing that was clogging up the run game for Burrow? One thing that Tyler hit on last night in the broadcast that I liked was that there was a huge difference between Evelard and Corey Bell with the way they were hitting the hole or the lack thereof with Bell's case. Uh, I think it was really – he was very indecisive going into those holes, and I don't know – I mean, I don't know that you can't, you can't fault him entirely, uh, but with the offensive line, still has to be some responsibility there, but I think Bell wasn't really hitting it the way he needed to. It was very indecisive on where he wanted to go running the football. Certainly. Bell kind of reminded me of LaShawn McCoy, if you want to give it an NFL type of uh, analogy. Uh, one thing McCoy does is he likes to dance around. And, you know, I don't, I, I'm some, I, saw, I don't even think he ever actually runs where the play is designed. If it's supposed to, you know, hit the A gap, hit the B gap, he's just kind of dancing around and always looks to push it outside. Bell was, Bell was very methodical when he got the ball and was kind of looking for his first. Like he was looking where he was, where the best place to go for when he got to the secondary than when he was just hitting the hole. And Evelard was just taking the ball in like a bull in a china shop and going. And then, then worrying about the next level of the defense when he got there. So those are two different running styles. Obviously, if you're going to be able to do it successfully, no one's going to mention it for Bell. I mean, what, Shady was the leading rusher. Did anyone really complain about his you know, lack of ability to hit no. the hole, right? You know, so, um, uh, uh, I mean, but if Evelard's going to do that a little bit better, especially maybe during, near the goal line, he's going to be your guy because you're just going to need to pound the rock inside, and that's something they can do. Offensive line-wise, I, I wouldn't fault them too much, if at all, for the, for the 100 yards rushing last night. I think, the, I think the line overall was eons better than last year. I think, I think Sisson, um, I don't know how many times he actually got sacked. Let me see if I could find it here. Um, I'm not, I don't see I have it up. Maybe Mr. Fenner can, can find it for me. Um, I, he, three, three times. Only three sacks. I mean, Co- Cody Harris right. was sacked three times and a half last year. Yeah. Um, I think he was sacked eight times in one contest. So, I mean, the line did a ten, did a ten times better job than last year. Um, Sisson one time just kind of walked into a sack. Another time I think he should have had a throwaway. Um, so there's really – there's a couple times where he could have, you know, escaped a sack. But I think the line did, did a decent job, and uh, I just think that's coming down to – the running game, and they're just going to have to improve themselves with Coach Jim Henson. He's going to have to just hit the field this week and be like, guys, look at this tape. You're not running, you know, with passion right when you get the ball. You're kind of kind of slowing down. And maybe, like I said, maybe Evelard does take advantage of that and get some more playing time. But I'm not really sure how that's going to work out. I mean, obviously they have almost 10 days now to work on it. That's that's a very positive we haven't really talked about yet is it's a Thursday nighter and then you're going all the way to Saturday. So you have more time to look this over, more time to get some rest, and more time to obviously plan for Shippensburg because that's not going to be a cupcake either. Right. Yeah, Shippensburg's always always tough. I think the turning point in this game, in my personal opinion, was uh, 
when you take a look at the first two drives of the second half for Edinburgh's offense. Think about the play calling there. You're down 10-7 at half. you got to feel fortunate, truthfully, for where you're at. Mm-hmm. You're a 3-8 program last year going against a team that was 8-3, third in their conference. you got a lot of confidence going into the locker room and coming out for the third quarter. As you talked about before going into halftime last night, you get the football first. What are you going to do with it? The first two drives of offense in that third quarter, they throw all but one time. Just one run and two three and outs. I mean, what does that tell you? They weren't confident in running the football, and it was really, really evident there. I mean... St. Joe's knew what was coming in those first two drives, two three and outs, and I think that's where it really shifted because Edinburgh couldn't get anything going when they became completely predictable. Right, and the same thing happened with Miller and company last year, and you know, even I think before they completely abandoned the run, I think uh, St. Joe's was kind of shading themselves to playing the pass anyway because they knew out of a series of 10 plays, eight of them were going to be passes. Mm -hmm. By the second half, those two drives you mentioned, nine out of the 10 times they were going to be passing. So it really did not matter. Um, you know, the running game in the second half, it really just was not a factor. It did not matter at all in the game. It was just so – it was just the lack thereof once again. And uh, that's something that's kind of shocking. I thought that was going to be a big thing that they were going to work on, and that's, you know, that's borough football from what I've been told is controlling the ball, controlling the, ball, controlling the game clock, controlling the pace of play. And I don't think they did any of that. I think St. Joe's did exactly what they wanted to do. The game was run the way they wanted to be. They, I mean, obviously Edinburgh won time of possession, but barely – and like you said, from a naked eye, you couldn't even tell. Yeah, I mean, didn't we didn't feel know. that way. Right. So, I mean, really, most outsiders are going to think they didn't control the game. So it just, I don't think, I think Borough football had a lot of set of goals and objectives, and I don't think they checked many of them off, if any at all. And I think that's going to be a huge, a huge problem and a lot of uh, talking points going into uh, today and next week, talking with this football team and the coaching staff in that locker room. So... I don't really know, but we'll take our first break here on the morning after. Come back, touch a little bit more on Thursday night's contest. Talk a little bit about what they're going to need to do in these upcoming days. We mentioned they have a longer week now to prep for their upcoming game, their PSAC opener, which is right here at Sox Harrison Stadium next Saturday against the Shippensburg Red Raiders. So don't go anywhere. More Borough football talk after this. 917 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio, a Friday edition of the morning after. We'd like to thank you all for tuning in here on 88.9 or also online at edinburghnow.com, the new hub for campus media, which was officially launched yesterday afternoon, so make sure you check that out. Um, it also was live-tweeting the game last night, the Burl football game. I don't know who was doing that. And then also uh, the TuneIn mm-hmm. app as well. Is so, another place. so you could take us with you on the go via your smartphone. Via just your smartphone. Just download the, Tune, the TuneIn app, which is a free app. And then just look up 88.9 WFSE, and boom, you get to hear me, Tyler, and, uh, you know, sometimes the big boss Mike when he comes in to babysit us. But, uh, yeah, we're everywhere you need to be. And apparently the TuneIn app now has Tubby on their payroll, so that's good to know. Right. <laughs> um, that's what I heard. Hey, you know what? I'm trying to subsidize the station. I know. You're pimping us out hard. We do appreciate it. You're pimping us out hard. Um, but... Anyway, yeah, so thank you all for tuning in this morning. Thank you all who tuned in last night, of course, to our first broadcast as well. Uh, I, it felt very good to be up in the booth after spending last year on the sidelines with the figuratively and literally um, taking highlights for um, sports information, ETV, all that good stuff. But I still was able to go along. Good to be up in the booth and uh, be on ETV and 88.9. And uh, I wish we had another game sooner than Saturday, Fender. I'm ready to get back. Let's do it tonight. All right, why not? Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's move go, the ship let's game go, up. Let's go find a high school game to do. Let's just go with our equipment and set up. Titusville is facing, Titusville we'll is facing the uh, Cross Valley rivals of Franklin tonight at home. 
in Titusville. Top notch. Big one for the Rockets. Did it? That's, I think that's I have a, a huge sport. one for the Rockets. I think I have a Sports Center uh, thing I can play for that. Dun dun dun. dun I don't dun, even dun. know. Can I do that? I don't even know what's going on. I don't. Here. I, don't know. I think it's trademarked. Is it really? I believe it's so. on my panel. Is it? I don't know. I can't find it now. There, there are some cool things here. I was kind of screwing. Around. Oh, now I lost everything. Oh, there it is. Okay. Way to go. Yeah. See, this is. We're this. in panel S four. Right. Oh, see. Can I play the Sports Center? Is that a, is that a problem, Fenner? I don't. I think if we play it live, we're good. That's what we're gonna play when we do Titusville. That's not Denner there, 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 but that's Titusville and Franklin right there. Right there. Right there. But yeah, it's gonna be exciting because uh, Titusville is a smaller, quicker team. They're not. They're not huge. I was by that. I thought that was gonna be the Denner. Yeah, I know. Anyway, continuing it on. Um, All right, back not, to not, not a lot of Sports Center uh, looks last night in the Borough football contest. Unfortunately, as uh, Edinburgh does take that thirty to ten loss. If you missed it, um, you can all you can watch our uh, the on demand game cast of last night um, on Edinburgh TV. That is up there. You just click the link. You can watch it. Um, and uh, I was kind of skipping through last night, just checking out the shots by our cameramen. Great job by the crew last night. Um, thank you all for helping out, and of course Andre here for taking care of the board in the station. Uh, so now that that's kind of in 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 the uh, in the rearview mirror, the season opener's out of the way. The kickoff event is gone. Um, you know now now it's football time. Week one's done. You know no more non-conference opponents like Tubby was saying. It's it's now the PSAC. Now now things matter just a little bit more. So uh, and it's obviously not starting easy. You don't get you don't get a Seton Hill or a Millersville to come on in here. You're gonna have you're gonna have uh, the Shippensburg Red Raiders who you know produce an NFL player every now and then and. Uh, Kind of put up a decent amount of points yep. on the Scots last year. So, Mr. Fenner. Uh, quick point real quick. Her. i got to jump in real quick. Go for it. Last night I was texting you about this. Millersville. I was New Year. This is coming. Season opening contest. Right. They lose 17-9 to nine in five overtimes. Count them. Five. five. Five overtimes. You heard that correct. Nine points. Right. They lost. Nine points they scored in five. O- Can you believe that? Dude, I wouldn't need to I a lot of sandwiches to make through that. that game. I was floored. I can't imagine broadcasting or being a part of that game or watching that game. Just had to throw that out there. Yeah, that was that was quite uh, the interesting uh, results when I saw that. Um, and then obviously uh, ESU takes a loss as well. I'm trying to pull up some other results here. East Stroudsburg University uh, they got a, they got a little bit of a late start. Didn't kick off to like 7:40, but I still think they were done before that for that five overtime um, um, epi- or marathon going on there with Millersville um but yeah going through the scores here last night um also there's another one that I didn't even pull up Fenner that I missed last night that actually kicked off with us Westchester and Lenore Rhine were in action last night Lenore Rhine gets a 41 to 28 victory um so actually the Clarion was the only PSAC school to win in non-conference action last night hmm. so because they took a actually well, I mean is, was their first game with Lockhaven? That's still non-conference, right? Even though they're playing a conference, so I assume that's still non-conference because the conference schedule doesn't start till like next week. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I you could schedule would've... a conference foe. Yeah, I mean, Edinburgh women's basketball did that with Bloomsburg last right. year. So I'm going to say that's non-conference. I'm going to go out on a limb on that. Sure. And uh, according to the website, that kicked off at 6:08 because that was necessary. Clarion 40, Lockhaven 13. <laughs> Ursinus beat Millersville 17 to nine. That was the five overtime marathon. And LIU Post beat East Stroudsburg 41-40. Fenner, what was the score of that in uh, early in the second half? 40 to 28. ESU was in front, and they uh, kind of fell apart. A couple late touchdowns for Post. So again, uh, great wow. offense at East Stroud, but wow, they got to yeah. finish Soltes. the job there. And uh, we'll be going to visit 
Soltes and company at ESU. Not mm-hmm. the. Have you been to ESU? No. Oh boy. Not for basketball or football. Oh boy. Yeah. This oh is boy. gonna be fun. We're gonna we're gonna lock the doors when we head there. I'm just telling you that right now. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's not a very good place. Um, <laughs> I mean, school. I, I don't know about the school wise. Like, <laughs> if it's a nice school. I mean, I've driven by it. I've never been on the campus. Right. But the town. Yeah, it, it's no, it's no friendly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't it, know. It, it's no bueno for us Westerners. I'm just saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's going to be interesting as well. So those are some scores from last night in the PSAC. Uh, so now let's go into um, that Shippensburg game a little bit more, and then obviously we'll touch. We'll let you know who's in action on Saturday. A plethora of games. The rest of the PSAC is in action on Saturday, and we'll talk about that. So Shippensburg coming up. Maybe not as much about Shippensburg, but what does this Borough football team need to do moving forward? What are the biggest um, areas of need that they need to correct before they go into their PSAC opener next Saturday noon against the Red Raiders, Fenner? You know, Tyler, as much as we emphasize the running game and how important it is to establish that early and often, I think getting Jake Sisson's confidence reestablished this week in practice is critical. Uh, It's easy for people and for naysayers specifically to point to the three freshmen and say, hey, why are we not giving one of these guys some reps? Why are we not giving these guys a look after four interceptions uh, from a true fre- or a true sophomore that started just his second career game? Uh, but I think for Sisson, it's just got to be you know wiping that board clean from this past game and you know getting those important reps and trying to get better each and every day in practice and really valuing those practice reps. That is true. You brought it up on the broadcast last night about when, like when do you think about bringing in some of these freshmen and I and and I mean you were just throwing the question out there being a good being a good uh play-by-play man, but I mean honestly we both agreed that it was just if you brought Sisson out in that game, uh that was just going to devastate him and just kind of hurt his mentality and his attitude and his confidence moving forward and that was going to be nothing that was there was going there was no good was would come out of that situation. So I agree with you on that one, Tubby. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on it, but I mean, it, you don't really want to coddle the guy either. You want to give him some stern instruction, but I still think he's got a chance. I mean, you gotta, you gotta work with him and give him at least that chance to try to redeem himself. So are you saying? Are you saying that he has a shorter leash than what Fenner and I would give? I would think. I mean, if if he comes out and and lays another stinker on Saturday. Are you quantifying last night as a stinker? I'm saying there's a few missteps. Okay. I wouldn't say a down-and-out okay. stinker. But, okay. I mean, there were several different facets. I mean, granted, the run game wasn't there. And, you know, I don't know. I could I could roll the excuse train in here, and it'd be a mile and a half All long. right, so moving forward, what, what does Sisson need to do to make sure that he still is the man under center? I think just take care of the football and, you know, notice his targets, find his targets and, and his sight adjustments, and hit the, hit the guy. You know, and just be just be a little bit more savvy in the pocket. He honestly did throw some really nice passes when he did. Um, when he got space, I mean, he found Connor Hollenbeck, who, who perfectly just placed himself in between his own defense. He had a couple nice play, uh, placed balls right in the baskets of uh, Alex Caratelli and others last night. So he did show glimmers of, of greatness. Um, last night, so there is a lot of upside to Sisson, but maybe he just got to get more action and more games under his belt. And you know, big crowd, you're at home. Maybe Fenner, do you? I mean, this is just kind of popped in my head. Do you think Sisson would have maybe benefited, and maybe the football team at large with the large amount of freshmen? Do you think they would have actually benefited from being on the road? Yeah, it could be the case. Yeah, I mean, because then maybe you know, it's not such a big crowd seeing. And it's not, it's not right your classmates, it's not your mommy, it's not your daddy, it's not your uncle who you haven't seen and sends you a birthday card once every five years. Not all of them were here. 
Um, I mean, I know being in your bed was a big thing we were talking about, and, you know, not having to travel, and that could hurt you. But I think maybe, you know, like you said, not having the familiarity in the crowd. Yeah, I mean, last year I think you saw that with the Carson Newman game. I thought they played really loose, and it kind of felt like it was us against the world, nothing to lose, you know, playing a nationally ranked team. I think that was kind of an advantage for them, and they did play pretty solid uh, with playing a lot looser. I think at home you can get tight, uh, and that, that, that definitely is an element that can play a part in it. Yeah, so, but I mean, either way, they were at Sox Harrison, and they're at Sox Harrison again. That was, what, the first time in, since 2012? Uh, 2011. 2011, they've, yeah. they've started the season at home. Of course, the right way to do it this year, as it is the 50th year of Sox Harrison Stadium uh, here on the campus of Edinburgh University. So that'll be exciting for that. Let's see what else is going on for the PSAC foes on Saturday. Maybe we'll get uh, Fenner, as he's a man of all, uh, you know, football for the PSAC. Give me some give me some notes on some games here. Gannon versus Southern Connecticut State. That's a noon kickoff in New Haven, Connecticut. Fenner, what do you know about uh, Southern Connecticut State? Absolutely nothing. Nothing? I can't give you a single nugget. You got nothing on it? On All right. SoCo. All right, so, but Gannon, Gannon lost a lot of people coming into this year, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, this is they a football They still have Nadler team. back. What's that? They still have Nadler, Nadler back. Nadler, the quarterback? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a team that still has a ton of experience, and I think that they've really turned it around. I mean, you, you talk about Gannon maybe three years ago. This was a basement dweller in the West. They're winning three or four games, and all of a sudden, uh, head coach Brad Rizicki's got these guys <coughs> turned around. They're, they're an extremely confident bunch, and they're a contender in the PSAC West. They're, they're looking for a championship. When you talk about the West, you're talking about Gannon, you're talking about Slippery Rock, and you're talking about Mercyhurst. Uh, and that wasn't the case a couple of years ago. So I think they've got a lot of a lot of solid guys, including a local guy here from Edinburgh, Matt Astorino, playing on that defense uh, at the, in the secondary. Right. I like uh, their coach Brad there because he's 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 a fiery guy. I remember last year getting fired up on the sidelines a couple of times. That guy. All right. Yeah. Bentley uh, making a trip to Erie against Mercyhurst at noon. Mercyhurst. Um, they're a solid squad. That was another winnable game for the Scots last year, though. So see what Mercyhurst has this year. Uh, California versus. Virginia State, 1 p.m. in Petersburg, Virginia. Uh, Cal, uh, who knows what their roster's like. The turnover on that roster every year is, is interesting, to say the least, between coming in and outgoing. No doubt. So who knows? <laughs> we'll have to. I don't even know who's on that team right now. Slippery Rock versus New Haven in West Haven, Connecticut. Um, so that's two um, PA schools going to be up there in Connecticut. That's a 1 p.m. kickoff. Slippery Rock defending PSAC champs. Uh, Fenner, also one of the favorites to repeat again this year. Yeah, SRU's really got a great defense, great defensive front seven. And Shamar Green running the football, that's a guy I don't want to go against. I mean, you saw what he did against Edinburgh. You saw what he did against several opponents last year. Shamar Green may be the best running back top to bottom in this entire conference, not just in the West. And he will be here at Sox Harrison Stadium showing us some of his tricks and maybe giving us some treats on Halloween Day here at Sox Harris State. Well when the, when, thank you, when the Scots welcome SRU to the borough. Seton Hill versus Shippensburg. So there's, a, there's another PSAC v. PSAC on this opening weekend, and that is at Ship, 1, 1 p.m. Uh, I feel that's going to be a pretty easy one for Shippensburg, maybe a lot of reserves getting some action in that game. Lincoln University against Cheney. Um, of course, no live stats available at that one, according to the PSAC. Continuing on, Assumption versus Kutztown. That's a 105 kickoff at KU. Assumption, I don't know where they're from. Well, the Golden Bears not, better not make any assumptions yeah. of winning. Let's put it that way. <laughs> the, I was waiting to use that. I saw it last well night. Well done. Well done. <laughs> the Golden Bears, um, obviously, a, uh, another solid squad. That will be at the newly named Andre Reed Field, of course, being named after the recently inducted Hall of Famer Andre yeah, good Reed. stuff. That's yeah. awesome. He's a good man. And Stonehill versus Bloomsburg. That's a 2 o'clock kickoff at Bloom up on the hill. 
Um, Bloom, you know, they made it deep in the NCAA playoffs last year. Fenner, luckily the Scots don't have to face them. Uh, but that's a, that, they're probably one of the top teams in the East. Um, again, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, and this is the team that Edinburgh opened up with, actually, on the road in 2012. Uh, and then played, I think they had to play, play him at home in 2013 when Cody Harris actually got injured. Uh, mm-hmm. When he had to sit out and John Gervin relieved him at quarterback. Uh, real quick, though, going back to Shippensburg, of course, the next opponent for Edinburgh. Uh, just some notes and kind of look-aheads for them. Certainly. If there's anything to look positively about this team, I guess, with the matchup, there are some significant losses in terms of statistical output from last year. Uh, at quarterback, you lose Chris Lashie, a guy that put up 2,500 yards, 24 touchdowns. Um, the glass half empty, though, is that Edinburgh saw two quarterbacks last That's year. That's what I was just about to say. There, the and that was a quick turnaround, almost like exchanging plays, like every other play almost. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just you know some garbage time. So I was just about to say that, too. But Lashie was a talented back. Uh, so Zapatiki, Ryan Zapatiki, who played in six games last year, including that Edinburgh game, uh, returns after throwing for 426 yards, three touchdowns and a pick, but did look good, especially running the football against the Borough last year. In the backfield, however, Blair Brooks, a uh, nearly 1,200-yard rusher, does not return. He graduated, seven touch, or excuse me, 11 touchdowns for him as well. Uh, and then Trevor Harmon, the nephew of Arizona's uh, Bruce Arians, who actually right now is still on the Cardinals roster in the National Football League at the moment, uh, had a catch last night in action, actually. Uh, Harmon, who had 98 catches, nearly 1,000 yards, and 11 touchdowns for ship last year. Gone. And a big game against Edinburgh is also gone. But Sheldon Mayer, a senior mm. wide receiver, the other of the duo, uh, 72 catches last year, nearly 1,100 yards, also 11 touchdowns, does return. So that is going to hurt. But think about this. Look at the receiving totals for this team. Uh, take away Harmon and Mayer, the next best receiver, 23 catches, 179 yards. I mean, think about the drop-off between those top two to the next guy. I mean, that's incredible. So at least you don't have to face two of those guys with Harmon gone. Right, the numbers are promising, but knowing Ship and the program they have, I know they're going to have youngsters uh, ready to go. But luckily, maybe for Burrow, you know, catching them in that first week of the conference uh, schedule might play to their advantage because those youngsters aren't you know, completely comfortable yet. They're not experienced. They're not as comfortable as a mayor or, um, or you know, a Harmon was last year when they played in, what was that, week three or, or whatever like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely might help that it was it's early on we're playing Shippensburg instead of maybe week eight or something like that. But as you mentioned, yeah, a lot of drop-off from production last year. That's probably a good 60% of people, uh, you know, involved in your offensive production is now gone and onto different things and outside of Shippensburg football. So that's what the Scots have coming into Edinburgh next week. Um, and uh, we'll, of course, break that down next week. Mr. Fenner will be coming back here next Friday to mm-hmm. debut. Or if if to, you'll have me. If, if we'll have you. I mean, if we're still a show by well, next I, Friday. Well, I, I don't think we have a choice unless you fire us. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If we're still a show by next Friday, Mr. Fenner will be on uh, for a full-fledged, real football Friday, one where we preview and not recap, um, of course, as we're now done with one of our three Thursday night games here for Edinburgh this year. Mr. Fenner, you're going to hit the bricks and uh, go do what you need to do and go probably have some important meetings with, you know, Obama or something. So we appreciate probably. the time here. <coughs> yeah, Thanks th- for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, you know, for uh, allowing us to continue the show. Yeah, <laughs> we appreciate that. Tubby and I are going to continue the show after this as we're going to switch to the NFL gridiron and talk about the Flategate. They figured that finally out yesterday. Oh, we'll talk about I'm that bitter. after this. And we're back here on the morning after 9.38. Just Tubby and Tyler now taking you home here on a Friday morning. Of course, thank you all for tuning in. I want to, you know, keep 
showing my appreciation, gratitude for all of you that uh, listen live and also listen to our podcast as well. We had some good podcasting numbers earlier in the week. Um, of course, we still got a few good uh, podcast listeners yesterday. And um, Tubby, it was a great show yesterday. I mean, obviously missed you, of course, and uh, Chewy had his took the day off, um, obviously, as we were all borough football yesterday um, with Mr. Fenner staying in for the whole hour, uh, getting back to the good old days with Mr. Fenner and I. Um, and then we also were joined by Vinny Marino. Um, I, I don't know if you heard it or not yet. I think you said you haven't. Um, no, I, d- I just... We kind of... We, we, we had some struggles. I'm not going to lie. We had some struggles. Um, we, uh, we had to... Uh, I don't know. I, I messed something up. I thought I set it all up, but then I couldn't get him to come on. He couldn't hear us, is what I was told. Yikes. So I, I was like... I was up. I was like, Vinny, you there. Coach, we got you. Coach, you're there. And he wasn't there. We Luckily, luckily, you know, the man... Of the man, Fenner's boss, Dr. Right. Ron Raymond, came on in here, was listening to us at the time, and just comes bolting in through the door like a, like Superman, you know what I mean? And then came in and started figuring out, and then at first try, he couldn't get it, but then he said he thought about it for a second, and then boom, we got him on there, and we had a good like seven-minute interview with Vinny Marino, and it was top-notch, and I asked him straight up, I was like, you know, I asked him, why'd you leave Edinburgh, this and that and the other? And we talked about, Fenner asked him about Boston College, and I asked him about the offensive unit for Edinburgh. And it was a great interview, and, uh, um, you know, and I was excited. I thought it was really cool. Awesome. I thought it was exciting. We got our first guy to call in, I mean, from Boston. Right. Man, popped, from Boston. Popped our call-in cherry, if you will. It's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. When we're breaking new ground and we're doing new stuff and we're bringing informative and current content, to the to the local Edinburgh area and at large, it's right. awesome coming from Boston too. So that's good stuff right. there. Um, so if you missed that, listen to it on the podcast up on uh, our social media. Um, right now, you can follow us at G Tubby Schmidt, and you can follow me at Tyler Trumbauer. You might have to scroll a little farther down in my timeline to find it, or if you just go straight on the SoundCloud, um, it'll be there. You can I'm on SoundCloud at Tyler Trumbauer. I don't know if that's how you search. I'm not really good with SoundCloud yet, um, but Anyway, right. back to the NFL now. We're going to talk Deflategate. Um, we've obviously touched on this earlier on in the week with one of our one of our first couple shows we hit on Deflategate, and now it is finally over with after what two nearly two hundred and fifty days of going on of Deflategate, finally done. And Judge Berman, yep, got rid of it all. Yep. No games. He will start Week One. Will Tom Brady against the Pittsburgh Steelers? On September 10th, what do you think of that, Tubby? Weren't you the one to say that he's going to uphold the game, off the four-game suspension? He got rid of it all, Tubby. What he do you did. Think? He did. Well, I didn't know that he had Tom Brady on his fantasy team. Is, is this true, or is this just some, some jokes? This is some jokes. Okay. But seriously, though. I saw I, that somewhere else, too. That's why I asked. Yeah, yeah. No, it's some jokes. I'm bringing okay. the laughter. That's what I do. It's, it's my role. I'm the, big, I'm the big giant clown here. All right. But no, I, I don't understand. So... In logic, all right, we're, we're taught here at college to think critically, right? I guess. I don't know. Okay. So you deflate some balls. You win a championship, right? Totally destroy the integrity of the game. No game suspension. You're the GM of the struggling Cleveland Browns. You text the sideline to let the head coach know that the offense stinks and needs to be something done, and you get suspended four games. I don't get it, Tyler. Well, here's my thing, though, is he didn't fight that. 
He didn't fight that four-game suspension. Right, because he knew that he broke the rule, and he was like, look, here's my phone, here's everything. I mean, the Browns completely cooperated with the NFL. The NFL passed judgment, and the Browns accepted it like a man because they're like, hey, I messed up. My bad. I'm sorry. I'll take what's coming to me. I shouldn't have done it. It was a moment of weakness. It took the punishment. But what does Tom do? Tom denies, 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 breaks his phone on accident, right, and then gets zero games because of there's too much, you know, it's, uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of the word legal term. I wish I had a legal buddy to help me out. Um, circumstantial, that's it. Too much circumstantial evidence. They couldn't prove without a shadow of a doubt that this was done. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but one thing is, uh, I just want to get this in real quick, is... Uh, Berman, just to clarify, Berman did not say that he was exonerated from what he did. Not saying that he wasn't right. involved with it. But what he said, quote, is the reason he wiped it all away is, quote, premised, the four-game suspension was premised upon several significant legal deficiencies, end quote, which include Goodell's failure to allow Brady's lawyers to examine one of the chief figures in the Ted Wells investigation, NFL executive Jeff Posh, and his failure to allow them access to witness interview notes. I mean... It's kind of like getting off on a procedure. It says, and Berman continues, because there was no notice of a four-game suspension in the circumstances presented here, Berman wrote, Commissioner Goodell may be said to have dispensed his own brand of industrial justice. Industrial? Industrial, yeah. I, I I just thought that was a weird word to have there. Right. So basically what he's saying is Goodell's strategy and choices left him no choice but to wipe out the suspension. I mean... So, I mean, I didn't think it was going to be completely wiped away. I thought he was no. going to reduce it. I don't know, but now that I'm looking at it, could he even have reduced it? I mean, I don't know what powers he had. I don't think he could have extended it, but I don't know if it was just all or nothing. But either way, um, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand, you know, the whole situation. But it, I, I think this opens a whole other can of worms because... Now, apparently, Greg Hardy is thinking of appealing his suspension, you know, right. for his domestic abuse and whatever else he was, you know, involved in there legally. Um, I mean, the NFL is going to try to appeal this, I think, um, and go back again. So I don't know what that's going to take it to because I, I don't go to law school. I don't know. We're no, getting I, too far see, up the chain here for me. See, I don't understand if there's like. I mean, you can keep has... appealing to the Supreme Court. That's basically where you go. Right. But I mean. Excuse me. I, I don't think it's necessarily that. It's like something to do. It's some wacky thing like where it has to deal with like the collective bargaining agreement, which is like the set of laws that the NFLPA, the players right, union, I, yeah. and the owners agree upon as that, hey, this is our set of rules. This is our set of conduct codes and all that stuff. And then if it's violated, I think that's how the suspensions, all this stuff gets passed down by. But I don't understand like how that. Because it seems to me like the judge is inserting, like, public law, you know, like... Yeah, but it's still law. I mean, because, I mean, do you think it was written in the CBA that if you deflate footballs, you get a four-game suspension? I don't think to that extent. I think it has to do more with, like, the, uh, like, 
integrity of the game. Yeah, but I think there has to be something written in there in stone. I mean, there's no precedent at all. And the law, when you're going to a U.S. court, they're going to look at precedent. Because at the end of the day, if you're appealing it, it's going to go to the way of of the law. And, I mean, that's one thing I like about baseball is if you, you know, if you bake, if you, you know, take performance-enhancing drugs, 25 games, your first offense. 50, your next. 75, your third. Your fourth one, you're gone. Right. You're done. Yep. So it's laid out. It's clear and cut. You know right. what's going to happen. In the NFL, we got exempt lists. We got 10 games. We got eight games. We got four games. Look at how many suspensions actually were reduced. Look at all the bounty gate suspensions. Right. Almost every single one except for Sean Payton and, and uh, the defensive coordinator Williams, Greg Williams, were all just taken away. Yeah. Were cleared out completely. Were mm-hmm. wiped away. This one wiped out completely. You know, Adrian Peterson was indefinite, and then he was put on the exempt list, and then now he's back in. And, you know, it's like everything just keeps getting decreased. And, I mean, this is really a slap in the face for Goodell and the NFL as a whole because what control do you have? I think if you're a player and you feel you got suspended for four games, six games, even two games, and you feel it's not worth it, that it's not the right punishment to fit your crime, why are you not appealing it? You'd be stupid to not appeal it. Right. Well, that's why it takes so long. Like, uh... With Josh Gordon and his first his first drug offense, and it took so long. Like they left the team in limbo, trying to figure out what they're going to do with this guy, because they passed the judgment and then he appealed it and went through the appeals process and the meetings and all that right. stuff. Now, granted, it didn't go to court; it just went back to Goodell, and, and Goodell said, "Yeah, you're still gone." But you know, regardless, it's just I don't. We don't even have access as the public, do we, to to look over to the collective bargaining agreement? To I don't see know. I'm not saying. I think it's. I don't think that we do. I think it's more like, I don't know, trade secrets or some crap. But it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's it's full of ambiguous statements and broad sweeping and left to interpretation. It's just, I don't know, it's messed up. But it's not helping the NFL's image. I mean, you look at all the stuff they've gone through with the concussions, the treatment of retired players, um, all the physical and abuse that they've had. You know, with spouses and the kids and all that stuff that they've had to go through. I mean, this is, like, really hard for the NFL, but yet they're still making money hand over fist. Right. I mean, the NFL is, uh, you know, the ratings were higher last year than ever, despite all the bad PR they've had with, you know, domestic abuse and, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on with, um, you know, concussions. And, I mean, now that concussion movie is coming out. I don't know if you saw right. that trailer for that with Will Smith. Yes. That's a top-notch film I'm going to want to see in December. Yep. Shot in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yes, I did see that. I saw that they had a shot going over the... Of the, of the Heinz Field or whatever yeah, it is they call it. Over that, that body of water there. I don't yeah. know what it is. It's... Not an ocean. One of the... No, it's Cuyahoga. I think that was the Cuyahoga River. Whatever. I've never been to Pittsburgh, so... It's okay. You're not missing much. I'm sorry to all the you're Pittsburgh just, you're people. You're just throwing hate today. Anyway. I am. Uh, but yeah, Deflategate. It's, um, I mean, go good for Tom Brady, I guess. He always wins, right? Right. Yeah. He always wins. He so, can, but that, I mean, that... It, because uh, speaking of Pittsburgh, that they were really hoping that this uh, suspension was going to hold up because week one, the um, Steelers are hosting the Patriots right in Steeltown, in Steeltown. So they were hoping that uh, Brady would be gone and have to deal with the backup, and they could have stole a win right there. But now uh, all of a sudden Brady shows up. So I, I don't know. I mean that changes the landscape of pretty much everything. For them, I mean, they're already struggling. Uh, the Steelers are right with uh, with their line and their their defense was just porous against porous porous, meaning multiple holes. Got you, got you. I know. And what you mean. Uh, okay, just checking. And uh, against Buffalo, I mean, Buffalo just lit them up. 
smoked them. Right, yeah. So now they are back. Tom Brady is the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots as he is cleared of his four-game suspension for now, though. I don't know how that appeals process is going on, but regardless, I doubt that's going to affect anything in the next, what, a week? So Tom Brady versus the Steelers opening night, first game of the NFL season, which normally is attended by Roger Goodell. But sources said yesterday that Goodell will not be in attendance in that opening game. We're going to hit our last break of the show real quick. We'll come back, and you know what? We touched on it earlier with Titusville and Franklin. We'll give you a rundown. High school football kicks off tonight, Tubby. Awesome. So we'll talk I'm about excited. some what's going on here on the high school gridiron as this is a full-fledged football Friday right here in the morning after. We'll be back after this. 9.56 here on the morning after, our final few moments of the show. Uh, we touched on... PSAC, Borough Football, NFL Football, and now we're just going to come full circle and obviously hit the high school ranks right now as it is uh, football season is officially back, ladies and gentlemen. College football kicked off last night at 6 o'clock, Edinburgh being one of the first games in the country to be underway to start the 2015 football season, college football season, and now the high school football season is going to get underway um, today here Tonight, actually, I should say, and uh, let's go through some of the locals that are going to be up, uh, getting things kicked off tonight here, and what should be a should be a good night. Might be uh, some chance of some thunderstorms like we had uh, yesterday. That was a ferocious thunderstorm. Right? Yesterday. Yeah, they're supposed to be intermediate, but there's still going to be a high of like around 86, 87 today, so it's going to be mid 80s. Right. It's just going to be muggy and humid. Yeah, like it is right now, and that was rough. Um, had to open a window here in the studio this morning. Right. Um, continuing on, we talked about it earlier. Seven o'clock kickoff, Franklin Titusville. Tubby, give mm-hmm. me your prediction on that being a Titusville man. Um. You know what? I really haven't seen the Franklin squad, so I'm just going to be complete homer. Aren't they like dogs? Aren't they like the Franklin dogs? No, the Franklin are the Knights. Ah, Meadville is the Bulldogs. Mm, but uh, but yeah, this is like a cross valley, cross valley rival for Titusville. They're just over like over the hill yonder there for Titusville is Franklin, and they're coming into um, Carter Field this evening to face the Titusville Rockets at home. And uh, it, it's a big game for them. Now, Tysel's a little bit undersized squad, um, but they la- but what they lack in size, they make up for in speed. So I look for them to be um, – this is going to be one of those high-flying, a lot of passes, a lot of quick cuts type of run type of game for, out of Tysel. And Franklin's usually known for being a bigger squad, uh, having larger lines and that type of stuff, and they like to pound the ball. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be a slobber knocker down in Titusville tonight. All righty, another slobber knocker, 7 o'clock. General McLean, Fort LaBeouf, going to be a good one there. Right, uh, that's a backyard brawl for these kids. Gerard Maplewood, that's Fenner's alma mater, Gerard there. So that's going on Mercyhurst Prep versus Sagertown. Uh, all these are 7 o'clock kickoffs, the usual high school football time. Oil City versus Corey. Yep, that'll be another good game. The Corey Beavers are, uh, are usually a stout team. And the Oilers are no joke either, so that's going to be a real close game as well. Northwestern versus Conneaut. It's going to be good. Seneca versus Union City. Right. Um, Union City's had some struggles this year, but they're uh, they're looking to rebound. they got a, a lot of young kids. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Fairview versus Meadville. Yep. Meadville, again, is a perennial tough team. The uh, Bulldogs of Meadville, as we mentioned earlier. Um, Fairview, I, I really don't know a whole lot about Fairview. I'll have to look more into it. But, uh, but yeah, that should be that should be pretty interesting as well. Uh, let me see some more here. We got Grove City, Wilmington, Farrell versus East, Central Tech versus Warren, uh, Strong Vincent versus Hickory. Um, let me see what else we got here. Cochranton versus Reynolds. 
Right, that'll be another good one. Reynolds is a usually a really strong team. Uh, the Carlton Cardinals are usually a quicker team. So we'll see how that comes out. But usually, like, powerhouses are coming out of Reynolds. So look Harbor Creek, Iroquois. Yep. Um, that should be interesting, I guess. Lakeview versus Youngsville. I don't know if I said that one already. Northeast yep. versus Greenville. Mifflin County versus Dubois. Yep. So that is your high school games for tonight if you're going out and catching some high school pigskin action that's all for us here today on the morning after thanks for tuning in this week we have off on monday due to labor day enjoy the holiday weekend and we will be back to on tuesday talking some football <laughs>